So um, I'm going to pray for us because that's what I do as a prayer answer. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into the message, okay? So, Father, I just ask that you would be here tonight, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God so that the eyes of our hearts um, would be filled with light as we study your word. God, I ask for open hearts and open ears to hear the message as it's preached. Uh, Amen. All right. So we're in a series called Close. It's about being close to the Lord, you know, in case you didn't get there at church. Um, Brad made this point a few weeks ago. He said, when you don't know what to do, you chase the one who's chasing you. And then the week after that, he said, oh, if you, when Jesus says to abide, it means let me be your guide. So hopefully all y'all um, ask God that question. Worked for you the last couple weeks. And then last week, Tyler said, um, when you sin and when you walk away from God, the good news is that if you turn and walk and if you turn and you just repent, God is so close and he's right there for you. So out of Psalm 27.4. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there right now. Otherwise, it should be on the screen in a second. Okay, so we are going to, is it up there? Awesome. We're going to read this together because there's something about it rather than just hearing me say it. So we're going to read this together. So um, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. All right, so we're going to talk about this verse, and I'm going to break it up into little pieces. You have an outline. I should have given you, or you should have had an outline. And I will try to follow that, guys, seriously, as close as I possibly can. If I get off and I don't something is, or you don't see it on the screen, like holler at me and be like, what's this blank? And I'll let you know, okay? Because sometimes I just get off track. So you just, you just keep me on task tonight. It's going to be good. And then the other thing I want to say to you is if you have a pen, um, to write in the blanks. The other thing I want you to do is as I talk, if I say something that to you is like doesn't sound right and you're like, I don't know if I agree with that, write it down. Like make a note and be like question mark and then come talk to me about it later because maybe I'm wrong or I'm just nervous or maybe my theology is off or maybe your theology is off, but we won't know until we talk about it. So that way we can both grow together in our walk with the Lord. So um, we're going to walk through this verse and the first thing we're going to talk about is the one thing that we ask from the Lord. So our one thing, David talks about this. He's asking God, one thing he's asking from the Lord. Um, And I would define our one thing as this. It's a relentless pursuit to one goal, one vision to one purpose to one man, and that man is Jesus. When we talk about the one thing, like who are you after in life? Who is your one thing? Your one thing, hopefully, if you're in this room right now, hopefully your one thing is Jesus. The point I want to illustrate this is uh, it's in... um, I don't have a point. Let me find my point. Excuse me. Um, Okay, so the entire Bible points to Jesus. That's the point I'm trying to make. The one thing that we have is Jesus because we know that the entire Bible points to Jesus. Um, If you know your early church history, you'll know that they only had the Old Testament. They had the apostles, and after a while, the apostles wrote some letters, and then the letters turned into the New Testament. But to begin with, the only scriptures they had was the Old Testament. So Jesus, on the road to Emmaus, there's this... um, Scripture is in your notes. You can go back and read it later. On the road to amazement, it says, and Jesus opened the scriptures to his people. What he was saying is, look at the Old Testament. Let me show you who I am in Testament. Paul, Paul wrote to the Gentiles, right? So you would think if anyone's like not pro-Old Testament, like pro-people following the law, it would be Paul, right? He's writing to Gentiles. He'd go, oh, hey, guys, like, just love Jesus and you're good. But no, Paul consistently reinforces the, the Old Testament. If you read it, you'll see he Um, mentions it and references it all the time. So the Old Testament is important. Probably my favorite verse that talks about this is Acts 15. And I'm I'm not, you don't have to turn there. 
but it's in your notes. You can go back and study it later. They're talking about um, how the Jewish believers are having a debate. They're saying, do the Gentiles need to follow the law? Do they need to follow the, the law and covenants? And you guys, if you're walking through the 365, you probably know a little bit about um, But they're going back and forth, and they're having this debate. And uh, the Apostle James speaks up, and he says, hold up, y'all. Like, they don't need to follow the law. The Gentiles are okay. And you know why he says that? He quotes an Old Testament book. It's called the book of Amos. This really, it's a short little book somewhere in the Old Testament. I honestly could not tell. I think it's after Joel, which is also a short little book. It's this tiny little book. It's a prophetic book talking about Jesus. And he quotes that as, it's, as his reasoning for why the Gentiles are not a law. So um, that's like a huge point. We need to know the Old Testament because it points us to Jesus and to how we act with Jesus. Um, the book of Hebrews is a huge book. I'm not going to try to blanket statement the whole book. But a big chunk of it is a prime, it's, a, it's an exposition, an explanation, so to speak, on how Jesus is the high priest. And that's like a crazy, guys, what is a high priest? Like if you don't know the Old Testament, you don't know what a high priest is. I'm just saying that. It made me laugh when I said it earlier. It's a concept rooted in the Mosaic and the Davidic tabernacles and then later in the Temple of Solomon. It's talked about in the Torah. Uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy talks about the high priest and why Jesus is the high priest. Finally, Acts 17.11, if you have that um, in your notes, there's a blank for you to fill out. The Berean Jews were of more noble character than the Jews in Thessalonia because they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures. That is what you need to fill out there. They examined the scriptures. They read the word. They read the Old Testament to see if Paul was speaking the truth. A good friend of mine, he'll talk about this. He'll say, um, if you just have the New Testament and you're trying to follow Jesus, it's like somebody giving you the last third of a book and then saying, okay, write a book report. Tell me what's going on. Who are the kids? What's going on? You can't do this thing where you follow Jesus without also knowing the Old Testament. It's a huge point. So when we talk about this one thing that we're after, the one thing is Jesus. And the best way to know Jesus is through the word. And that's the whole word, the Testament and the New Testament. We have to pursue Jesus through the word. All right, we're going to read Psalm 27.4 again out loud with gusto this time, my friends. I'm a teacher, so let's, let's do it. Um, is it up there again? Perfect. All right, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Who knows what dwell means? I hope you all do, right? You all know what that word means. Um, dwelling is you, you got to make a home. And in order to dwell, this might seem like counterintuitive to me. You're like, what? I don't know. So in order to dwell, you have to stand still. No. That's a kabam moment right there. If y'all don't say amen, that's like a what? Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Let me hear an amen. All right, thanks. In order to dwell, you have to remain. You have to choose to stay in a place. So when Jesus says, when the Lord says, um, dwell with me in my temple, it's referring to that secret place or to that time alone with God. I think that's what we call it here at Oasis, we're at a quiet time. And that, that quiet time is where you get alone with the Lord and he talks to you. Ephesians 3.17 is in your notes, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The word dwell there means permanently. That's, the, that's the, uh, the reference, that's what it means, it's permanently. In Colossians 3.16 it says that the word of Christ would dwell in us richly. That word dwell there means to inhabit. And the habit means to like set up shop. Like the word of Christ should come in and like make stuff a home and have a drawer. And it should make your kitchen messy. That's what it means to inhabit. So you want the word of God to dwell in you. 
When we dwell with God in his temple, we choose to stay in a place where our hearts are open to his voice, his encouragement, his correction, and to his love. Guys, that's a really key point. We choose to stay in that place where our hearts are open to his voice, to his encouragement, his correction, and to his love. And you need to have a place where you choose to tabernacle, to have a tent of meeting, to have a time alone with God. Because it's not like God's available to you all the time. It's not like, oh, I can only meet with him once. But if you don't schedule it, you probably won't do it. You need to have a time where you choose to meet with the Lord. Um, my, perhaps my favorite example of what it looks like to meet with Jesus and still be a person, like, who's not all super pious. You know, the month they have their time alone with God, that's cool. But, like, a regular person, this lady, she goes through the drive through at McDonald's, and she gets her one Diet Coke for the day, and then she goes sits in the parking lot and meets with Jesus. That's, that's her secret time. That's her, her place where she meets the Lord and where he talks to her. Um, for me, I was raised, my parents, I have five siblings. My parents and I, when we grew up, they would say, you have to have 15 minutes every day where you go spend quiet time. We called it quiet time in my house. Because my parents, they not only did they understand the concept, but they valued the concept of getting alone with Jesus. Like, they really reinforced that. And I would say nowadays, like, I spend my, I spend my time with Jesus in the prayer room. I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm a prayer missionary. And so I have scheduled hours of prayer. But I also, guys, I also drive people to work in the morning because we all share one car. It's great. You should try it sometime. <laughs> so I, like, I go drive people to work. And then on my way back, I'm with Jesus. And I get to spend time with him. And it's amazing. It, like, gets my heart ready for the day. So get time alone with God. Choose to dwell with the Lord. All right, we're going to read Psalm 27.4 again because repetition is our friend, as the teacher saying. All right, is it up there? Guys, I can't see. It's hard to turn around. Psalm 7.4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So we want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I've given you two scripture passages in your notes. Um, be, and we're not going to talk about them now because, I mean, seriously, each one of these subpoints, guys, we could talk for months on. Like, literally, we could go forever. And the fortunate thing about gazing on the Lord is we're going to gaze on the beauty of the Lord for eternity. Like, you will never be done admiring and loving and being affectionate and understanding the majesty of God. So, like, seriously, I'm just going to give you a brief overview to get you excited about this. But you come about this, like, this idea for hours, the reality of this. But what I want to direct you to is Luke 10, 38. And I don't know if you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll read it to you. But it's the story of, of Jesus going to the house of Martha and Mary. And I think everyone probably knows it. But I'm going to read it again to you just to, you know, just to really get it in your heart. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her, tell her to help. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and you're upset about many things. But few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. Um, you, we, again, we can for months on this particular passage. You guys, the word is way deeper than it is wide. Um, but what I want to pull out to you tonight is that Jesus came to their home, but I don't think Mary, I don't think Mary and Martha expected it because Martha was, she was good, she was a good housekeeper. She would have been ready if they were coming, but she can't, he comes and, and she's standing there. She's like, ah, it's not ready. And so she goes and she flutters and she's trying to get everything ready. 
But Mary, Mary understands this thing. Mary understands that Jesus is only in her house a bit. She understands that Jesus is there in the person, that Jesus is teaching in the person, in the flesh right there, and she is so desperate to know Jesus that she, I'm telling you, she sits at his feet. Like that's, that's, that's like if Brad were to talk and we're like, Brad's only here for a week, guys. And we all squished him because we wanted to hear what he had to say because we're so hungry for the word of God. She was hungry and she's at the feet of Jesus. When's the last time you stopped because Jesus was speaking to you? I think we make a big point. You know, we talk, I do prayer, we do prayer, and I, I like to do silent prayer or to have prayer where you wait and you ask the Lord a question. That's just a thing that I value. But when's the last time in your own life or in worship or in studying, God was like really like teaching you something and he was like, this is important. And you're like, okay, and you wrote it down. You're like, I got it. And then you moved on. When's the last time you waited for Jesus to tell you that he's done teaching you something? In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, um, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Guys, we're changed by what we see. When you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, you become like Jesus. That's the point of what we do. I mean, Jesus is the point. But the point we do, like we become like Jesus when we gaze on him. Mary, Mary, so Mary in the last story, she sits at the feet of Jesus, and that's great. And you're like, oh, great. Am I Mary or Martha? Right, everyone's asking themselves that question. Guys, in John 12, in another gospel, it's the story of Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. And Mary... Mary anointed Jesus' feet with oil. And this was a costly, like an extravagant gift that she gave to the Lord. It could have cost about $10,000 in today's like money. It was an extravagant gift. She loved Jesus. She'd been so changed by radically just, just sitting at the feet of Jesus. The words of Jesus had so impacted her. The face of Jesus had so become a part of who she was that she couldn't help pour out this gift of oil to her God. Is your heart like that? Would you say right now, like, oh, yeah, I go spend $10,000 on Jesus. Easy. I mean, most of us don't have that. <laughs> Lord knows. But would you do that if, it, if you had a precious thing? If you had time, if you had five minutes of time, would you go give that to Jesus? We're going to move on and read Psalm 27.4 again. Out loud again, because that's what we do here. Psalm 27.4, one thing I ask from the Lord this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to see him in his temple. The word seek here means to inquire or to ask, or asking God questions. In 2 Timothy 2.7, a reference I'm throwing out for those of you who like the, the New Testament, um, Paul says to Timothy, think of what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is a reference to God giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus so that we know Jesus through the word. And Paul says to Timothy, think. Thinking is not a passive, a passive, you don't just go, oh, uh, uh, okay, um, and move on. Thinking requires thought, oddly enough. That's kind of what it, you do. You ask questions. You cross-reference. You go through the Bible and you look for what I'm saying, because if you ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding into what you're reading, the Holy Spirit will give you understanding into what you're reading. Um, the way I think of it like this is kind of an analogy. If you ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you in the Word, and so you read the Word, and then the Holy Spirit talks to you, and he's like, here, this is the phrase that I'm thinking of. 
right? And he, you pull it out, and it's one phrase that you just can't let go. It becomes like a hologram. You know how you can walk around a hologram? You can see through a hologram. You can turn it so you can look at it from every, like, you can see it in a new light. That's what it happens when we read the word with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But you have to, you have to be dwelling and staying and gazing to get to seek asking. Like, you, all these parts go together. Because if you're not dwelling, you're not going to be hearing if the Lord highlights something to you. Um, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. So if you have a question about the Bible, go to the Bible. might seem silly for me to say that, but it's true. The Bible will tell you more about the Bible than man will tell you about the Bible. Remember Hebrews? So Hebrews is, is talking about the great high priest. You don't know what a high priest is until you go to the Old Testament and you look at all the high priests in the Old Testament. You're like, what is this? And then you study it. You have to look and, and choose to want to be with the Bible. Um, I don't have the time to really get into like, oh, this is how we meditate on the Bible. If this really matters to you, if you want to know, come talk to me or come talk to Brad or go talk to your leader. We want to help you learn how to do this. Um, in your notes, I gave you, I gave you a passage because I'm, I'm just that kind of person. I like notes. And so I, if you are like, I don't want to commit to a conversation with Hannah about, you know, meditating on the word. But you might want to try it once. I've given you a passage to start with. It's Hebrews um, 6, 19, and 20. We have this as a sure and a steadfast anchor for the soul of hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So I gave you three questions to start you. What's the inner place behind the curtain? What is the high priest? And who the heck is Melchizedek? And where does he come into play? So if that interests you, start there and then come talk to me after it. All right, we're going to read one thing, this one thing passage, Psalm 27.4, one more time. And then I'll kind of give you some practical steps. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. Um, so here's, here's the, the heart of this passage. Jesus is asking you a question. We can, we can make this as theological as we want and say, okay, like Hannah's just giving me another, go pray, read, and, go pray and, and read the Bible. That's what Hannah's doing, but that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I want you to hear the invitation that God has for you in your life. His invitation to you is come away with me. He's asking you to come and sit in a room with him and talk to him. He wants you to be in a relationship with him. The whole point of this series, being close to God, doesn't happen until you come away with Jesus. You have to go sit in a room and talk to him. And maybe that's sitting in your car, or maybe that's um, sitting in your bed at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're frustrated. That's okay, too. That counts. I promise you that one counts. But you have to listen, and you have to say yes. When we say in the Bible, in Matthew 6, 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus is the king. When we say your kingdom come, we say Jesus come. Je Jesus, you come to earth. Why would we want Jesus to come to earth if we don't know him? You have to know who Jesus is. His invitation to you tonight is, hey, don't just read the Bible to read the Bible. Read the Bible because I'm, I'm the word. I am the living word. The point of the church thing, of praying and of Fasting, for those of you who fast, and of meditating on the word is to get you to Jesus. In and of itself, none of these things will satisfy you. But when you do them with the attitude of, I'm getting to Jesus, that is what will 
get you to Jesus. You're like, okay, I want to know Jesus more. He will reveal himself to you. I promise he will. Ultimately, I probably just made following Jesus sound complex. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I have to read the Old Testament too. Like, how many plus more books? There's 66 in the Bible. I've only ever read John. I don't know what I'm doing. That's okay. Don't go home and read the whole Bible. It'll frustrate you. You'll be fine. Just take it slow. Because following Jesus is, is simple. The beauty in knowing Jesus is anyone can do it, guys. Yeah, I emphasize knowing the word, but that's because you know Jesus through the word. And at the core of Christianity, there remains the simplicity of knowing Jesus. Simplicity doesn't make it easy. Simplicity is making one thing the priority of your life. <laughs> I have another friend, well, I think it's the same friend, who talks about carrying backpacks and how you can't run after Jesus if you're carrying backpacks. Okay, case after Jesus, you let go of everything else and you hold on to him. That's, that's as simple as one, simple as one thing. You follow Jesus, and that's all it is. You have to follow Jesus. It's not easy. Guys, it is not easy following Jesus. And I don't want to, like, make you feel scared because please don't be scared. We're in America. Like, it's not that bad. But God will ask you to do things with your life. He will ask you to give things up. He will ask you to give up your time to spend time with him. And that's not always easy, but it is simple. It is very, very simple. I'm going to give you some practical steps, and then I'm going to close this. Um, number one, set a specific time each day. Five minutes, 15 minutes, be adventurous and do 20, I don't care. Spend time with Jesus. Put it on your calendar. Put it on your phone. Have your phone remind you. Go spend time with Jesus. Pray the word. Get in the word. Study the word. Sing the word. Read. Read the word. You should probably read that too. Pray it. Sing it. Get into the word. Pray breath prayers throughout the day. These are little phrases that will help you concentrate on Jesus. Um, the one that's my favorite is, Jesus, I trust you. All the time. Jesus, I trust you. That's my phrase. Because I don't trust Jesus, guys. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, it is hard. It is hard for me to trust Jesus. And I don't know why, but I mean, eventually I'll get to heaven and it'll be easy. But I got to pray that a lot because I have stress and I have anxiety and I don't know what to do with my life. And I get started getting worked up and then I'm like, you know what? Jesus, I trust you. And it works, guys. I'm telling you, like, Jesus will answer that prayer. If you're like, Jesus, I trust you. He's like, great. Let me help you. You could also pray this one. Jesus, be merciful to me a sinner. Maybe you need to be reminded of just your identity in Christ and the fact that he's your savior. Pray that prayer. And then meditate on the aspects of Jesus that are found in the Bible. Pick one to study for a week. Um, the verses I gave you, all the verses I've given you in your notes tonight are great to start. You're like, I don't know who Jesus is. Go read the ones I gave you. And then come to me and I'll give you some more. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is a particularly awesome passage. Seriously, if you've never read it, go read it and study it and sing it and Go love Jesus through that. Uh, it'll, God will reveal himself to you. Jesus will reveal himself to you through those scriptures. And I gave you a website in your notes. So if you were like, I don't know how to cross-reference, go there. That's, that's the best thing I can tell you to do. So here's my point. Jesus is the point, right? Jesus is the point. We do Christianity. We do church for Jesus. Jesus is the point. And if you don't know Jesus, then why, why bother? Seriously, seriously, like, why, why bother? Guys, if I didn't know God, oh, I can tell you my life would be so much easier. Like, from a worldly perspective, not actually eternity. Like, don't, don't go walking away thinking, oh, that's heresy. That's not true. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying from a worldly perspective, guys, it would be so much easier if I didn't know Jesus. But from a heavenly perspective, from God's eyes, like, it's so much better. It's so much better from his perspective. Get to know Jesus. Jesus' invitation to you is gentle. 
but delight and love in his voice, guys. He's asking you to come away with him, to go and sit in a room and talk to him. Some of the stuff I said tonight may be, may be in you, and you're like, yeah, that's a good thing. I want to do that. None of this is going to change you until you get away with Jesus and talk about it. None of this will change you until you get away with Jesus and talk about it. So you might be like, that's a great talk. You won't remember me or this talk in a or in a year, or in t- you're not going to remember this. But if you study the word, if you get in these scriptures, guys, if you meet Jesus through one of these things, you'll remember that. Who cares about me? You'll remember when you meet Jesus. So that is, is asking you to do this. And come, come away with me. Take these scriptures, this holy word, and study them. Guys, eat them. Let them be written on your heart. Let them be written on your forehead. This is an, this is a, an old phrase from the Old Testament. Guys, it's a real thing. Let them into you. You have to choose to let them in you. Because if you don't choose it, God's not going to force his way in. You have to choose to say, I want to study Jesus and know you. And then finally, if you've, if you've never met Jesus before and you're like, I'm here and I'm here for friends. Like, go ask Jesus to meet with you. If you are like, okay, I get it, Hannah. You want me to meet with Jesus, but I'm dry and I don't want to, I don't want this. Ask, pray this prayer. Jesus, I want to want to love you. Just pray that. It starts there. You don't desire it without God drawing near to you. God is near to you tonight. And his invitation for you is to come away with me. Come sit in a room and talk to me. Um, when Jesus died on the cross for us, guys, he restored the original intent of man, which was to be in relation with God. You have to know Jesus to be in relationship with God. Um, you have to choose to know him. It's a choice. You get to say yes or no. That's the whole point of this series, being close to God. You get to choose if you want to be in a relational, like conversational, relational thing with Jesus. You get to choose that. It's your choice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet for a couple of And I want you guys to think and to write on your paper or whatever, or pray. Just be quiet and talk to God and say, God, what are you saying to me specifically about this? God's invitation to you is to come up with me. And you have the choice to say yes or no. And so I want to exhort you, encourage you, push you forward and say, go be with Jesus. Choice and you get to say yes. So I'm encouraging you as somebody who's been on this walk for a little bit longer than most of you. It's worth it. It is so worth it to know and love Jesus. Go, go find Jesus. Go meet with Jesus. Go get in and be with Jesus. Would you hold your hands out? I want to bless you and pray for you. God, I just thank you so much for this group of people, God, for all these students and all these leaders. You love them and you are with them, God, and you want to speak to them. Father, I thank you that you are close to each and every one of us. God, I ask that the words that were spoken tonight that are from you, God, the words that you want to highlight to each of these students and leaders, God, that that be the word that they walk away with. God, I ask that you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know Jesus when they read the word. Give them a yes in their spirit, Lord.
finally, I just pray that you would bless them and keep them. May the Lord lift up his face upon everyone here and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up the light of his face upon you and give you peace. All right, you were dismissed to groups.